Recorded live. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Dallas Depth Discussion. It's again Monday night, only this is a special Monday night because it is the waning hours of Labor Day 2015. It is September 7th, and we're in our seventh year, speaking of sevens. I'd like to welcome everybody to the call. Um, As I said, this is Dallas Debt Discussion. We discuss debt issues and sometimes some other things, but we don't give any legal advice. Sometimes people think that when we talk about legal stuff and say things that we give legal advice, first of all, I have no idea what legal advice is, nor does Terry or Jeff or John or any of the other people on this call, because none of us are lawyers. Uh, Now, we may have lawyers that, that, listen, we do have uh, lawyers that uh, do join our calls from time to time, and uh, the uh, most of them that we know of, anyway, are the ones that are supportive of consumers. I'm sure we've got a few other snoops from the other side that listen, and you know they're welcome too. It's a public forum. But the bottom line is, we don't give any legal advice. We talk about situations. <clears throat> People come and ask questions, and uh, we make some suggestions at times on uh, what we would do if we were in their shoes. That's the way it's stated. Like uh, if I would say, well, you want to do such and such and so and so uh, in that particular situation or, or, you know, you might file this or or do that. Please understand that that is said in the vein of that's what I would do if I were in a a situation similar to yours or if I was in your shoes. Um, It's based on my knowledge if I'm saying it, uh, the knowledge that either I have gained through actual litigation, and I've been involved in a substantial amount of it in federal court, uh, or study that I've done, and I've done a tremendous amount of that regarding uh, issues around the uh, debt industry. But the bottom line is it's discussion. It's suggestions of what people should do. Um, it's not advice, and it surely isn't legal advice. So if you take it as such, the mistake is on your shoulders, don't interpret it that way. We just want to make sure that nobody comes after us and says, wow, you guys are giving legal advice. You know, you're uh, practicing law without a license. Well, no, I'm not practicing law. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't, wouldn't even have a clue how to practice it, much less be good at it and become proficient, and I wouldn't want to. I have been uh, uh, accused of being a lawyer more than once. And uh, very honestly, when that has happened, I've told the person, uh, quit cussing at me uh, because I would not want to be a lawyer. So uh, there there are some good lawyers and attorneys out there. Make no mistake about it. And we've found some. We know there's a bunch more, but there's a lot of them that are unscrupulous liars, uh, bottom feeders, and numerous other derogatory remarks. That's just the way it is. That's from We've learned that from our experience. And it's unfortunate, but it's true. So uh, when you come on this call, we discuss things. Uh, we uh, appreciate people's input as long as it stays on subject matter. We don't deal with any of the uh, things in the administrative processes uh, for the simple reason. It doesn't matter how good it sounds. It doesn't work because it's against public policy. So if anybody comes on and is, uh, you know, thinking in terms of uh, administrative stuff, oh, well, yeah, it shows, it says it in the books, 
we know about that stuff. But we also know that there are people that have tried to use that, and we personally know people that have been put in prison for it. So um, we don't even get into discussing those matters. There's no sense in wasting time. But uh, the way TalkShoe works, when you come on, you are unmuted. All you have to do to mute yourself so that you don't make unwanted noise on the call is to hit star six on the keypad on your phone. That will mute you. And if you listen to it, uh, when you do that, it will say, you are muted. And if you want to talk and you want to unmute yourself, just hit star six, and it will say, you are unmuted. It's very kind. It talks to you and lets you know exactly what your situation is. So it's a toggling feature, back and forth with star six. Once we get done with good news, which we'll see if anybody has any, even on a quiet Labor Day weekend, um, then we'll go to the uh, uh, call. Anybody that has questions or comments that they want to make, and the way to put yourself in the queue for that is once you have yourself muted using star six first, then hit star eight, and it'll raise your hand in the queue. I can see you and uh, and call on you. Now I do not anticipate having a long call tonight because we know attendance is going to be minimal. It's the last gasp of summer. There's a lot of people that are uh, finishing up last vacations, although there's a lot of kids that have already started school, uh, such as around the Dallas area where I am. Um, there's a lot of other kids around the country that start school after this holiday. So uh, parents are busy, people are busy. We understand that. And we'll be getting uh, more numbers of people getting uh, on the line as uh, the weeks go by. There's no question about it. So. With that said, I want to ask and see if anybody has any good news. You don't have yes. to hit you don't have to raise your hand or anything. All you gotta do is speak up, and that almost sounded like a John. Yeah, you have to unmute your phone, Dr. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I have to unmute my phone, uh, yeah. No, but, I do when you speak. Yeah, when you yeah. Speak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, my good news was we'll get the central air system changed out and have air conditioning again, which is good. Yeah, I that's got, always good in the summertime, especially in Florida. Yeah, I got my field done and sent. Oh, you and, did? Good. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. about that today while I was working on something else. And when I was uh, missing the call last week, I forgot to tell you that I received an order from the district court on my previous appeal that had been remanded that the judge reopened the case and he required me to amend my brief in light of the, of the uh, appeal mandate and um, gave me 14 days to do so. Now, we were facing a hurricane potentially and this and that, and then I had the air conditioning issue. Tomorrow would be 14 days, but it's plus three, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I believe so. Well, you know, for example, so from tomorrow, 14 days back is the day he signed the thing, and he said you have to, you know, you have to amend your brief and file it within 14 days. Yeah, it's 14 plus 3 mailing because you, they can't, you know, you're not on CMECF, so. Right, so that yeah. seems reasonable. I don't have to do, I was struggling working on the amendment now, but do I need to file an enlargement tomorrow just to cover the three days? But No, in, in our district here, uh, have you looked at your local rules? Because our local rules actually state that we get three days extra for mailing. John, can, can you? I don't understand that. Okay, you got your, you won your appeal. It's remanded back. 
Mm-hmm. What it, I don't understand why an appeal brief needs to be amended for the no, lower court. No, not an appeal brief. My complaint. Oh, your complaint. You said brief. Okay. I yeah, apologize. You, yeah, you actually did say brief, John. But Well, I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. No, that's okay. I was just confused because I... Mm-hmm. Word. Yeah, yeah, I can understand. If you were thinking appeal brief, it's like, well, it's the, the appeal's all done and it's remanded. What would you be doing there? Okay, so you get to amend the complaint based on everything up to now. I yeah, I guess, but I'm saving some tidbits that I'd use for another lawsuit against the same defendant. <laughs> so, so that's a separate issue because it's a separate set of operative facts and uh, a separate person violating. So let's see. Um, yeah, the court adopted the report and recommendation and granted defendant's motion to dismiss. However, the 11th Circuit found that the thir- uh, August 13th letter was not sent in connection with the collection of a debt, but that the December 24th letters were communications sent in the collection sent with the collection of a debt. Therefore, the 11th Circuit found that the court erred. This court erred. It's tough for the judge to say that found that this court erred in dismissing plaintiff's complaint with respect to the two December 24th letters. Accordingly, the court vacates its order in part, DE 32, adopting the report and recommendations of the magistrate judge. With respect to the December 24th letter, this case will proceed. Plaintiff shall file an amended complaint regarding such letters within 14 days of this order. The clerk of the court is directed to open the case. There you go. Cool. Uh, it's way cool. I mean, yeah. and I feel bad for the guy because he's like 80-something and he's the senior judge of the entire district and they have an annual award for him. And and the, he had to write that. that <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, hey, I, without a doubt in his career, if he's 80-some years old, it's not the first time that all right, we're all here. The 11th, 11th Circuit has sent something back but to him. How many times has the pro se prevailed? <laughs> well, it's yeah. it good that you did, but I mean, it, you know, those those guys have been there long enough. He's like, well, whatever. <laughs> yeah. This this pro se made a point. He did make a point. So, well, anyways, yeah. it says from 14 days of this order. So that was the 25th of August. 14 days will be tomorrow, so it'd be plus three for mailing. Mm-hmm. And and regardless, I think I could argue around it anyway. So I'll yeah. just let it slide and won't have to run down there and fire something else, which is good. Yeah, yeah. It, like I say, the only other thing you might do would be to check your local rules because, like I said, our local rules here specifically state we get three days for mailing. Yeah. Responding. Okay, so there you go. Yep, and for all the newbies out there, it's those kind of details Knowing that, you know, somebody else would be, oh, oh, oh my God, I got to have it in tomorrow. And John's going, eh, I got three more days after tomorrow. Not that yeah. you wait until the last second. That's not a good thing to do. But, you know, when John's been dealing with uh, uh, sweat uh, because of no air conditioning and threatened hurricane and having to consider making other plans because of that and everything, uh, you know, that tends to throw things off a little bit. So. Yeah. But, uh, so. yeah, that's good. That's good. So things are moving along the, the right direction there, and you got your other appeal done. That's good. They're moving. That's the important part. Yep. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see if you can prevail on that other appeal. Oh, man, wouldn't that just rock? 
Yeah, it would. <laughs> it really would. Won't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Won't it just rock? And yeah. Terry? Terry's is going, I guess, moving forward. Yes. We've got to reply to their brief. And I have been busy, busy, busy doing some in-depth research to finally, once and for all, indicate that they not only willfully violated the law, they were willfully defiant of the law in that they absolutely have a shown track record of violating S2B with knowledge beforehand. Hey, you, you got a pencil, Terry? Yeah, what? I want to give you a word. What? Scuff law. What? Scuff law. Scuff law. S-C-O-F-L-A-W. They are a scuff law. Yeah, I knew that term. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, and it you know when you you read these cases and we're all familiar with various cases involving the same um thieves as you will. <laughs> and we we read them though at different times under different circumstances for different reasons. And we know we've read them, and we can even say, oh, well, there was, you know, Brim, and there was James, and there was this, and there was that. And we know all about it. We know what was in the cases. We know what the allegations were. But you don't see the well-established pattern until you sit down and you go back 15 years and you start with the fact, and I, if you don't mind, um, Dave, I'm just going to read something here. Yeah, no, that's that's fine. Go ahead. We're uh... okay. In 2000, this is going back 15 years. In 2000, the Federal Trade Commission held that the FCRA barred a debt buyer from verifying a trade line disputed by a consumer when it did not possess the original documents. The FTC entered into a consent decree with Performance Capital Management, Inc., <clears throat> PCM, a debt buyer and furnisher of credit information subject to Section 1681S2. Among the FTC's allegations, was that upon receiving a CDV form from a CRA, it is the practice of PCM to compare the name, address, and information in PCM's computer database with the information provided on each consumer dispute verification form. Where the two match, PCM reports that it has verified as accurate the information in its file. The FTC alleged that verifying information in the computerized PCM file does not constitute an investigation for purposes of Section 623B, 1681S2B13. 
The FTC's consent decree remedied this noncompliance with Section 1681F2B with entry of the following injunction. Failing to properly investigate consumer disputes as required by Section 623B of the Fair Credit Reporting Act, when consumer reporting agencies refer disputes to the defendant pursuant to Section 611A2 or 1681IA2 in order to comply with Section 623B when a consumer disputes the accuracy of information reported by the defendant to a consumer reporting agency, defendants shall either verify the information with the original account records within the time period set forth in the Fair Credit Reporting Act or take all necessary steps to delete the information from the files of all consumer reporting agencies to which the information was reported. In any situation where the defendant either knows that no original records exist or is informed by the original creditor that no records exist, the defendant shall, within five business days after receiving the consumer dispute, notify all consumer reporting agencies to which the information has been provided that the information is to be deleted from the file of the consumer who has disputed the account. That's from the Consent Decree Order, Section 2. Now, that was in 2000. The FTC was mighty clear on the subject of of investigation. So you go back and you track the uh, cases involving the beast after that ruling through the following 15 years. And you find that not only did they know absolutely knew they had more than enough reason to know that their procedures are not in compliance with the law when you look at case after case through those 15 years where they have been hammered for it. Mm-hmm. They, they have a pattern and practice of knowingly violating the law. Right, and it was only within uh, a couple of years, at 2004, four years later, that the Johnson versus MBNA case happened, which established the the seminal um, definition of the investigation requirement within the FCRA. And immediately following that, the Beast was involved uh, two years later in a large suit uh, by a consumer and all three uh, named them and uh, by a consumer and all three credit reporting agencies. They settled with the consumer, but the credit reporting agencies fought and they lost big based on an opinion out of the 11th Circuit. Kalen, and that was also the opinion that Johnson versus MBNA was based on. And then it just goes on from there. Many of the cases we've gone over and everybody is aware of them. But it isn't until you start putting them in some kind of chronological context that you're able to 
to uh, show the court, whatever court it is you're dealing with, that your situation is not unique, is not isolated, and cannot simply be considered negligent, unknowing, or reasonable on their part. Yeah, or inadvertent error. Exactly. Right. It it demonstrates, it clearly demonstrates a pattern and practice of violation of the law over a a, uh, multi, uh, uh, many multi-year period of time. Right, and it also shows... And a defiance of the statutes. The other thing, there's two things that it reveals when you really take a close look and you lay it out that way. Believe me, people, it is worth your time to do it with whatever company you're dealing with. But it it also shows irrefutably where uh, in designing the eOscar system, the credit reporting agencies designed that. That is the automated dispute system that they use between the CRAs and the furnishers when there's a dispute. And in designing that and in collusion with the furnishers, they have uh, set things up so that it looks on the surface like disputes are being processed and dealt with fairly when in fact they are deliberately set up to bypass and not even analyze a consumer's actual message, documents included, uh, the actual the consumer's actual words in a dispute by using a code, one of 26 codes for a dispute. And when the furnisher... And this, this is a point that you have to understand. On an ACDV form that comes from a credit reporting agency, there's a little box where they put the code that identifies what type of dispute it is. And I believe they said that uh, 85%, 80 or 85% of all disputes are labeled with a type 1 not his or hers, uh, and that's all it says, uh, dispute type. Then there is a box on the form that is a comments field, and the CRA puts in up to 255 characters of a consumer's description of their dispute. Now, the furnishers set up their computers, which are called batch processing, automated batch processing, to accept the ACDV and automatically check its own, this is all computerized, no humans, automatically check its own files against the information put on the ACDV. Now, it cannot simply kick it back to the the CRA as verified unless it is set up to ignore the comments field because we all know one thing. That computer, that eOscar system, 
is not full-blown artificial intelligence. The only way it could analyze the individual and unique language pattern of each and every consumer in the comments field would be if it were AI. And or a human was involved in doing it. Or No, I'm, talking, I'm just talking about the computer here. About the system, right. Okay. So the only way that a company, a large company that has admitted that 95% of all disputes are completely and totally handled by automated process, the only possible way for that to be true is if they program their system on their end to disregard the comments field. Because if the computer didn't disregard the comments field, it would have to kick the dispute to a human for analysis. And that is important to understand. And when you read these cases and you see the evidence that has been brought forth, do a little research into eOscar, you get a whole picture of exactly what's going on and exactly how they're doing it. Yep. Blatant violation of the law. And, the, and it's, you know, and you, you have to understand, the CRAs, it is not in their best interest to do a good job for the consumer. Oh, no. Because we don't pay the bills. I was just going to say, they don't make any money on us. They make, they make it from the people giving them information about us. And if no, as was very clearly pointed out in the James case, if the CRA, and the Murphy case, by the way, if the CRA knows, and the furnisher both, they know that a consumer's dispute cannot be verified because there's no way a consumer can actually have an account with a debt buyer, for instance, especially with debt buyers, okay? If they know that, in advance, which they do, they would have to find in the consumer's favor and take that information out of the consumer's file. So that would mean 95% of all disputes levied against the beast would end up with a favorable resolution in favor of the consumer. Well, why would the beast continue to pay the CRAs the big money for what they do if they keep finding in favor of the consumers? Right. Yep. Yeah, if, if, is this the way with everything in this world, everybody? Follow the money. Me. Who pays who? Who makes the money off of who? And that'll help enlighten you. Well, that's that's good stuff, Terry. I mean, you know, you're delving more and more into this, and like you say, you, you discovered the pattern and practice, and, and of course that's going to be uh, uh, interesting to uh, to point out. Although, you know, in your appeal brief, uh, you're limited in what you can do because, uh, or I mean your uh, response to their appeal brief, 
your limits? Uh, not limited beyond this because of what they put in their reply. Right. Well, the part of it that can relate to what they put in their reply, yes, you can do that. But you know, yep. it's the same old thing, everybody. When it comes to appeals, an appeal is only related to what the lower court did wrong. Well, I like don't. Don's situation, you, you, you're uh, you know, the, this particular court. situation, they did something that I don't want to talk about on the open call, um, and we caught it. And based on that, all of this can go in. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, thank you very much for bringing that up. I want to see if anybody else has got any good news here. Anybody else got any good news for us tonight? That's uh, pretty quiet. Pretty quiet Monday night, which is not surprising, as I said. Uh, the only uh, good news that I have is uh, I should get a whole bunch of federal cases uh, or uh, small claims cases moved to federal court tomorrow. Uh, they've got them stacked up like cordwood and are getting more. I mailed uh, more out this weekend. and Oh, gee, I have two more that go in the mail tomorrow. And then I have two more that go in the mail Friday. So, as uh, I've said before, the beat goes on. And uh, it's getting louder and louder. But that's that's their choice. It's up to them what they want to do. So... We'll keep going with it. All right, one more time. Anybody got any good news? Otherwise, we'll see if anybody's got any questions or any uh, comments, anything that they, they want to bring up tonight. All right, if anybody's got questions, go ahead and hit star eight, and it'll put you in the queue. If you've got a comment you'd like to make about something, uh, we can do that. You know, we're, uh, we're uh, thinner on people tonight, and we've got a little more time. Uh, we don't have to worry about not being able to get to people to uh, answer questions for them, which is our primary reason to be here is education, to help people deal with situations that uh, they're dealing with based on uh, other people's knowledge, not just mine, but other people that are on the call as well. So let's go to Gigi Boss. You have been unmuted. Go ahead. Hey, good evening. Happy Labor Day. Well, same to you. Thank you. Yeah, I took the full advantage of no labor today. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I spent the better part of the day working on legal documents, helping a friend of mine, and oh, doing so some doing some interesting yeah, doing some interesting research and uh, on uh, Kansas statutes and and you know I, I found some information. He he found some stuff, and I found some things, but. Um, under the Kansas statutes, under their uh, Kansas Consumer Protection Act, uh, it used to be that for civil remedy, you could get up to $2,000. And then they changed it, and they made it $5,000. And then they changed it again, and now it's $10,000. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And every time they make a call that they aren't authorized to make, it's a violation of that statute and he's got 10 calls yeah so how how much is that and then he's got the do do not call list and then he's got the tcpa uh, b for calling a cell phone with an auto dialer so it's uh, it's 
it's got, I think, going to be a bit of a shock. This is a summary judgment motion. It's going to be a bit of a shock, too. Okay, so let me ask you this, since you mentioned summary judgment. Is this a, is this a case that's ongoing? Yes, it's a, uh, a case that he filed that was stayed for a year because of the nonsense with the FCC, and now the stay has been lifted, and uh, he's uh, filed a motion to uh, amend his complaint, which still has not been addressed by the court yet, but as soon as they uh, adopt his amended complaint, his first amended complaint, then uh, he uh, should be in a position where he's got the uh, motion for summary judgment ready, and he can go ahead and put that in, and uh, they have no defense whatsoever. I mean, none. The only question so he, is how much they're going to the court's going to tell them to pay. So he he filed against them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and he's going to put in the summary judgment. It, correct. Wow. Yep. I should like to know his case number. <laughs> <laughs> but um, okay. So here's my it's a dilemma slash uh, well I guess it's a it's a semi dilemma because I already have a semi dilemma. Not, Kind of maybe it isn't, huh? Yeah, I think I have a remedy, but I just wanted to throw it your way and see. Okay, okay so the, the old lady that I've been helping, you know, I've been calling in and helping, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> they put in a summary judgment uh, on her back back in uh, June, no, July 20th, they filed the summary judgment. And so she, and um, we responded to the summary judgment uh, after asking for a motion, I mean, asking for an extension of time of 10 days. So we got it in before the the time was due. However, the judge, because she, we, or I should say I, uh, we, um, we filed a couple of, she filed a motion for an amended, to amend the complaint for some uh, small errors that was was in it. Um, She filed a motion to compel, but discovery is over uh, as of June June twentieth. Right. Um, so any 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 motion to, to compel is going to be moot if you're trying to compel discovery. Right. But the judge has uh, he has put in an order for them to do an oral argument uh, as of the sixteenth of this month. They want her to come in to do. Oh. Yeah. He wants oral arguments on. Um, you know, the motions that were filed after the discovery and after summary judgment and all that. However, um, one of the things we put in one of the, one of the uh, do you remember when we did the, when she couldn't make the mediation conference and because she was uh, in, she was sick for two weeks, she was in Atlanta. And so yeah, she was somewhere else. I remember that. Yeah, and so we put in the notice, um, you know, of med- medical emergency for the reasons why she couldn't right. um, attend. Mm-hmm. So the judge, uh, one one of the parts, when you do your little background before you get to the meat of the motion, I mean of the notice, she put in that she had not received a copy of the scheduling order, which she never did. She never received a copy. So in the judge's order for uh, granting her her extension of time, he had put in that he questions, uh, he said, uh, the court questions the plaintiff ever receiving a scheduling order due to the many motions that were filed um, after, you know, the end of discovery and the summary judgment and things of that nature. So he said he wants all arguments on this and that. Mm-hmm. So because well, how did, in other words, how did you know about the deadlines if you didn't get the scheduling order? 
is kind of what well, I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Well, see, we did the preliminary when we did the the initial um, preliminary conference. Were you you and the attorney? Or the other side of scheduling. You, you, yeah, you have your scheduling conference, but that doesn't mean that you know that the court adopted that. Right. Well, based on what we went on with, we knew that discovery um, was going to be June twentieth, and so we didn't. We just went on with that because it was you, something. You, it was an it was assumption on your part. Well, no, it was something that they sent through email. Um, it wasn't the scheduling order, but it was something that he had sent because we had asked for something, and he had mentioned the Well, no, wait a minute. You're saying he. Who, 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 what are you talking about? Who is he? The attorney for the other side. The attorney for the other side. Okay. The, when, you were doing the, when you were doing the scheduling conference, are you talking about? Because you're starting to confuse me here. No, the preliminary conference. That's the, the case management conference. When you first do that, when you all That's are That's your scheduling time. conference with the other side. Right. Okay. That's the scheduling conference, but the scheduling right. order we never the received. You, yeah, well, yeah, you do the scheduling conference, and then you submit it to the court. Then the court says either, yes, everything that they uh, said they want to do is fine, or, well, we're going to change this or that, and then the court issues the scheduling order, in which he's saying she did not get, correct? Right, exactly. Okay, But what right. I was trying to, the point I'm trying to make, is the way we knew when discovery, because you said, well, how do you know what the, the deadline was for this or that? So the reason we knew what the deadline was for discovery, based on what we put, is um, some emails that went back and forth between us and the other side where they had mentioned that, you know, at the close of discovery on this date. And so oh, okay. we knew that. Okay, so you, you had some information there, but uh, you never received any formal notice from the court of the scheduling. Right, exactly. Okay. All right. So basically, since I know the rules and when they put in something, I know we got, uh, you know, two weeks to respond and then they got their time to reply and all this and that. Mm-hmm. We just basically went by that. But um, one of the motions she filed after the summary judgment was um, she did a motion to compel. But she Who also is she? Said, she is the lady I'm helping, the little old, the little old oh, lady okay. that I'm helping. Right, okay. So she did a motion to compel and she did a um uh, motion to amend her complaint. And in that motion, we did state that there would be no new causes of actions added. There was just, you know, we told exactly the parts of the um, complaint that were... Just going to, to correct some errors were... Now, question. Were those errors really material or just kind of cosmetic? Cosmetic. Okay. And usually the court will say, no, they're they're not material. You don't need to. There's no reason right. because if if you do an amended complaint, then the other side has has the time they gotta go through all the procedure of responding to it and everything again, and the court views that as wasted time. So if it's if it's uh, uh, the changes you want to make are not material, then chances are the court's going to deny the motion to amend. Okay. Well, the other side already replied. They responded to that. Okay. Of course. In denying, denying, wanting to get denied. Um, sure, sure, that's her job. So anyway, um, when we never did the scheduling conference, uh, I'm sorry, not the scheduling conference. When we never did the mediation conference, um, because of her other, illness, right? Right, right. So the other side wanted to go in and do sanctions or whatever to uh, because she didn't get, show up. Right, she didn't show up. 
Yeah. So doing the notice uh, was supposed to end the motion because she did want to do the mediation conference, and she put in a motion for a reinstatement of the mediation conference. That's okay. Thank you. was open to it. Right. And all those motions came in, of course, after the summary judgment. So basically what the, the judge said in the order, the most recent order, in granting her extension of time was basically saying, well, you know, the court questions if she really did receive a scheduling order because, you know, she doesn't seem to know when to file this. Mm-hmm. Right. And she'll um, be able to explain, well, you know, the only way I, I had was bits and pieces that I got in correspondence from the other side because I never received the order from the court. Right. I, made, now, I was other, making assumptions, not going mm-hmm. on unknown fact. Right. I'm going to get to the main purpose of this, right, but I'm just trying to give a little background so it's not, you know, too too out of the way, too scattered here and there. But the main point here is that uh, she can't go into the mediate. She can't go in to argue anything because she doesn't really understand everything that's going on. Cause I've been that's the thing... Talking. That's the thing that I was thinking about in my mind, and that's the fallacy of you doing the work for her and her not knowing what's going on. Right, I'm aware of that. Yep. So now, um, since she was in, under medication, she still is under medication from her doctor and her dentist, um, she's not going to be able to go in there and talk about anything, and that's mainly what I wanted to make the call tonight about to find out if that would be... I was just basically telling her we should probably go ahead and dismiss the case, but in dismissing it, you want to get a copy or a letter or something from your doctor um, so that you can send to the judge and basically let them know that uh, you are still under medication, you're not going to be... So that uh, they don't sock you with the costs from the other side. Exactly, exactly. She's not going to be able to be coherent and going there and at this point in time. So she's going to dismiss the case. That sounds, that sounds like a very good idea, something right. as a CYA uh, to right. just say, you know, I'm I'm just so doped up on this stuff and uh, know the court wants to have no idea how long this is going to go on and rather than, uh, you know, create problems for the court, uh, I've just found it uh, because of health issues impractical to continue the, uh, this action uh, as, as shown by the uh, attached letter from my physician and mm-hmm. uh, you know, request that the uh, case be dismissed. Right. Yep. So that's basically what I was going to do. Because, uh, yeah, I think, I, think that's, uh, I think that's a very good idea that, uh, to help uh, uh, you know, absolutely minimize the chance of uh, having uh, any kind of uh, blowback on it. We're saying, well, you know, you, you mm-hmm. cost them all this money, and then, you know, uh, here you just want to uh, jump out of it right before summary judgment and everything. That's that's a very plausible explanation. Yes, yeah, she did respond to, I told her, you did respond to summary judgment, and it is some good stuff in there, so it's out there. <laughs> yeah. But we're going to, we're going to, we didn't. We didn't totally just, you know, throw off, get off the side of the road. But yeah. we're gonna go ahead and uh, get that done. And I just wanted to yeah. throw it out there and see what you thought. Yeah, I I agree. I think that's a good strategy. Okay. Well, I learned a lot and I learned a lesson. <laughs> well, hey, that's. You know, if we learn from some of the mistakes that we make, we go along the way. Then hopefully, uh, all the mistakes we make will be new ones instead of the same ones over and over. 
Amen to that. I mean, there's, no, me there's nothing that says you're, you're going to go forward and never make any mistakes. That's unrealistic, obviously. But um, mm-hmm. as long as the mistakes you make are new ones and you can turn them into learning experiences, that's a whole lot better than, you know, sitting on the same thing, you know, like a broken record over and over and over. Right. Now, let me ask you this. Um, the different, the, the, the uh, cases, the new cases you're going to file, uh, are those still against Midland? All these so cases are. Gonna... All of these cases are against Midland. Wow, because I went and, and actually counted the docket. Well, I'm I'm here to tell you, uh, if something doesn't happen when I get done, there will be 113 of them. Oh, gone. And no, I've, I've got it. I've got it scheduled out that I'll have all of those done by the end of the year. Four wow. a week, four cases a week, every week for till, and I'll finish up right at New Year's. Oh, wow. So are they still? Are they still? They're not still calling. Um, I don't. No, no, no. They're not calling me. They they won't even talk to me. I bet they won't. I I, I emailed the lawyer, uh, both the lawyers, the one handling the MDL stuff and the one handling their. Uh, the cases uh, that are originally filed about uh, to find out whether they would uh, uh, be uh, interested in engaging in settlement discussions, and uh, they refuse to respond. So, well, maybe you you're know. keeping them working. Yeah, I'm wanting to. Well, I I don't know, but I'm just <laughs> you know I'm I'm moving down the path of my very above-board litigation strategy that I made known to them in the very first communication I had with them. After, after the notice of intent to sue, when I sued them the first time, I told them what I was doing. And I've told the, the uh, federal district court here in Texas what I'm doing, and they have no problem with it. And I told the MDL court out in California, in the Southern District of California, exactly what I was doing and why. And they have no problem with it. And uh, Midland tried to get both courts to stop me, and both courts said nope. No, they he's perfectly, they he's perfectly within his rights to do what he's doing. So I'm going to keep doing it. Well, so when they remove it from the the small claims, they have to pay the fee each time, right? Yeah, they pay four hundred dollar filing fee for every single case, plus all of the legal work. Wow. Mm-hmm. They're creating bad uh, case precedents for themselves. Well, I mentioned to them that they might want to consider the public record that's being created as a result of their decisions, and they don't seem to be interested in that. So, yeah. Well, go, go uh, Dave. Um, no, that's, that's, that's a great strategy. <laughs> well, I'm just doing what I said I was going to do right from the beginning. You know, I, I was very upfront. Told them what I was going to do from the beginning, and, and that's what I'm doing. So, you know. All righty. Well, good luck, and we're going to keep on listening for the next cha-ching. Keep on keeping on. That's it. All right. Let's go to the next caller here. Let's go down to southeast Florida, and i got to mute you and unmute you because you were bad and didn't mute yourself first. Go ahead. That's hey. probably Maria. Yes, it's me. It's Hi, me. Hi, Maria. You sound a little <sighs> tonight. I'm not a happy camper. That's what. That's all I could tell you. That's all I could tell you. Um, basically, my motion to dismiss uh, dismiss hearing when 
completely opposite of what I, I had uh, expected. I had various motions before the judge, and basically um, I, I was my intentions were to come in, deal with the motion to dismiss, and then if she ruled against me, to proceed with ruling the other with the other motions. Um, to my surprise, she immediately um, did not go to the motion of dismiss. She went directly to the motion to compel and the other motions, and she was like, I, I can't really, you know, basically her attitude was, I can't be bothered with this, pretty much. Um, basically, and then at the end of the day, supposedly, I, I wasn't aware of it. I thought I had scheduled more than 15 minutes, but they only had scheduled me 15 minutes. So, because it was only 15 minutes, um, she was trying to rush through everything. She did give me the courtesy as to go ahead and hear her next um, special set motion, and then she came back to me. But, I don't understand what you just said there. I don't okay. understand that at all. Okay. We went, I went before her, because, but she, I went in at 2.30. My 15 minutes were up to 45. Okay. So at 2.45, she finished my my thing, and she said that she was going to handle the other um, hearing, um, special set hearings first. And if there was time left over, that she would come back to me. Okay, now you say special set hearing. That's some, some other case? Yeah, some other oh, case. Oh, okay, another case. And then if there was time allowable, she'd come back to, uh, to give me. you some additional time. Okay. Which she did. She did give me some additional time. Okay. And basically, um, she didn't. She already had made her mind. She knew what she wanted. She wasn't going to grant me the motion. She definitely did not. wasn't interested in what I had to say, no matter what was said, because at the end of the day, um, I, I didn't understand it. Because it's like the judge, the the opposing counsel hasn't even um, made their case, and she's already. Well, that's your it. opinion. But that's your opinion. Okay. But, well, if if you're having a motion to dismiss, and, and again, if, if you have a motion to dismiss, wouldn't it be more logical to get the motion to dismiss out of the way? Because I, I, well, wait a minute, Maria. We don't run the courts. They they they're the ones that run the courts. You you have to go by how they choose to run them. It's their court. So okay. you may think it should be that way, but that doesn't count. <laughs> you know. I, I was just I, I I was really thrown off uh, off kilter and that kind of really threw me off off whack. I I did I did present my case. I did read some statutes. She didn't want me to read any statutes. Well, I already I said I don't need you to read it. I don't need you to read the statutes. So then I brought in the case from Seminole County um, with with the with um, uh, American wholesale lenders. And I was reading portion of that. She didn't want me to read that either. Um, so it was like, okay, so what do you want me to do? You, just, you want me to just sit here? Just go ahead and do whatever you want to do. Because it's like no matter anything I said or whatever I said, it, it wasn't good enough. It was like you're wasting my – I really truly felt like I'm wasting her time. I'm wasting her time by being there and putting these – Frivolous motions before the court. I asked for a the appointment of commissioner so that I can 
take the deposition of Rebecca Bingham in Columbus, Ohio. The way you set it up is that you have to get an appointment. You have to appoint a commissioner. And that is done prior to setting up the deposition. Well, Oh, is that is that what they're saying? It was improper the way you went about uh, giving somebody notice uh, of deposition. Well, I didn't give anybody. No, this is this is this is not what the federal is. No, this is not the federal. This is the 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 state action. So my 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 thing here was that okay. In order for you to set up the deposition, I need you. I need the court to appoint a commissioner so that the commissioner I can go ahead and schedule it because the commissioner is not going to schedule it until they have that document from the court stating that they are allowed to take that deposition. Well, the opposing counsel came and said, well, Your Honor, she set up the deposition wrong. I haven't set up the deposition. How can I set it up wrong? I haven't even set it up. I'm asking permission so I can set it up. Oh, well, that's not the way it goes, and based on the fact that you didn't do it right, then motion um, denied. I'm like, what do you mean do it right? Right. I why didn't I ask you guys? I have to get permission from you in order for me to do it. <laughs> well, what did the other side say that you did wrong? He said that I did not follow the uh, the Florida Civil Rules of Procedure 1.30, which is basically the guidelines of setting up the 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 deposition, which did not apply at this particular time because I had not set up the deposition yet. I need the court's authorization to do it. Once I get the authorization, then I go through the proper procedures in setting up the deposition. All right. So when you argued that to the judge, what did the judge say? Oh, she didn't care. She, she It didn't matter to her. What did she say? She said that she was going to rule based upon the opposing counsel saying me not follow, that I did not follow the procedures. And then opposing counsel says, Your Honor, she has to follow the procedures in, in Florida before she can follow the procedures in Ohio. I said, yes, Your Honor, but in order for me to go ahead and set up the appointment, the, 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 the deposition, I have to have this appointment. Without it, I can't do it. Because well, I'm going to rule. I'm, I'm going to rule based upon uh, opposing counsel's um, argument. So basically, she gave him. She's giving well, him. Well, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Ba- I'm going to rule based on that. That doesn't necessarily mean that she's ruling on on that. Yeah, she's she good, did. Good. She ruled on it, and she. Oh, said, she did rule on it, and and said that you didn't follow procedure. No, she ruled on it and and denied my motion for appointment of commissioner based upon that I did not set up the deposition properly. So Well, I, I don't know about all that stuff, so I, I don't understand what may have been flawed in it. I, you know. I, I, I don't either, because I, I haven't set it up. How can I have not Like I say, I, 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 there's no way I can address that because I'm not familiar with your rules down there on, yeah. on how you got to do all that. Yeah, well, that actually, my my, I I got it figured out, but my question and my in my indication is, um, I want to go ahead and do a motion for rehearing, but I also I'm really seriously thinking of recusing her from my case because nothing that I have presented before her 
she has ruled uh, given me any courtesy whatsoever. She has denied everything that I've brought before her. Well, you've, you've heard you've heard Jesse's comments about the Florida courts when it comes to foreclosures, have you not? Yeah. That's typical. Yeah. There's nothing but, new under the sun. But the question here is, is it really, and I guess this would be more for Jesse's call, whether it would it be something that recusing her would it, would it make a difference because they're all corrupted? Or, I, I I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'd suggest you know uh, talking to Jesse on that because he's intimately familiar with uh, the Florida courts and and uh, you know especially in foreclosure cases and stuff. But it sounds to me like you know um, you got the typical short shrift from the court on a yeah. on a foreclosure, which and, that's, he, that's nothing out of the ordinary. Unfortunately. He also knows about setting up depositions in, in uh, Florida State Court, so he could comment on it. Okay. Okay. Is tomorrow Q and A on foreclosure, or what's what's tomorrow? Um. Let me go. Let me go to the website and look. I don't remember what. <laughs> I've had so much stuff on my mind that. Uh, uh, I can't remember which week it is. I've just been buried in summary judgment stuff and research on things in it's Kansas. It's part of the Back to the Basics uh, webinar. Okay. Oh, wait I a minute. Was that's, thinking. That's a, that's a Tuesday. I, no. I think that's... No. Yeah, it's a Tuesday call. Back webinar, to, back to archives, the basics. and... Uh, According to the calendar. Oh, wait a minute. No. Upcoming webinars. I'm just going to make sure here. Okay, beating credit cards. Oh, uh, that's Wednesday, September 9th. Uh, yeah, that's me. Yeah, we don't we don't have anything scheduled for tomorrow. Yeah, it's open call. Open. Yeah, it's it open says call. Op, it says open webinar, which was what threw me off. Yeah. Open. It's open call. Back to basics. Yeah. yeah. It'll be uh, open call tomorrow night. Not a problem then. I'll go ahead and um, I'll come in tomorrow because I'm I'm thinking I have I I've been thinking about three different ways to attack it, but I want to make sure that whichever which whichever way I do attack it is going to be the most effective way um, for me to do it. Um, number one, I was thinking of going ahead and filing a complaint with the um, judicial review board, stating how. Um, you know, she has not uh, given me the proper um, courtesies as an individual, and that she. Oh no! Why? Yeah, nah, you can't. Yeah. No, that ain't going to go anywhere. No. You, you make an argument that she hasn't given you the proper courtesies. There's no legal basis for that. You well, have to have specific legal basis for your arguments. Well, I do. Well, I no, no. Been. You, you, you just said you're, you're gonna, you're gonna make the complaint because she didn't give you, you know, that legal cur- that courtesy. There's nothing in the law that says I got to give you a courtesy. That's my. The point I'm trying to make is, if you're gonna gripe about something, you have to have a specific legal basis for it, not that they weren't nice to you. Yeah. Well, I do have a legal base for it, basically, and because every single motion that I brought before her. Uh, that's not, that's no, not it that's, either, Maria. No, that's not a legal basis. Not a legal basis. Yeah, that's it's just that 
Well, what if there's would be nothing. Legal basis? Well, something that the the, the court uh, uh, did wrong, kind of almost like in the vein of an appeal, you know, where the the court uh, uh, did something wrong. I mean, you know, you're you, with your comment there. Well, they, they they ruled everything against you. If you don't have the right stuff, and the court rules against you, well, that's exactly what you uh, expect a court to do. Whether you know whichever side you're on, whether you're on the winning side or the losing side. Now, it's again a matter of what you presented, how you presented it, and, and we don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that. I have no idea how the arguments made. I don't uh, have any idea how your uh, you know oral conversation went in court or any of that kind of stuff. But you have to have a legal basis for uh, a rehearing uh, to... Uh, to have something, otherwise she's going to say, oh, jeez, she wasted enough of my time before. Now she wants to waste it again. No, motion denied. There's going to be no rehearing. I'm not going to spend any more time on this. I mean, that's kind of what I think you could probably expect unless you come up with something very specific that was done wrong. I mean, yeah. you have to be able to put your finger on, on specifics that where there was an absolute violation to even ha think that you have any uh, any chance of, of doing that. But here again, I don't know whether, you know, what you have, where your arguments might be on that, because I wasn't there and I don't know the facts of your case. I, what, what this would she, be a good one to talk to Jesse about. Yeah, what did she do that denied you due process? What did she do that... that what did, uh, okay, what did that, she do by denying... Uh, due process. Due process. Because not allowing me to present my arguments, although I was reading a law, I was reading it into the record, and she didn't so allow she, me. So she denied you meaningful access to court? Yes. Okay. So hear the difference? Yeah. She yeah, because what we're, what we're talking now is not a why, 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 she just wouldn't treat me right. Yeah. No, twice, twice, I, I had my, my whole script written out. And part of it I was I was making because the attorney filed a motion uh, in opposition. And in his motion to opposition, he wrote that they were legally um, able to do business, and he quoted certain sta uh, Florida statutes. So what I did is I rebutted that statute, but he didn't bring it up in an argument, but I brought it up. I said, you know, he says that, yes, they were legal, and I, I referenced two statutes, and then I referenced – um, the the other statute, and then I made my argument. I said, based on these two statutes, this is why they violated, and they're they're not they don't have jurisdiction. Well, when I was in the middle of re reading the second statute, no, 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 you don't understand. It's not a case that they don't have jurisdiction. I'm sorry. It's they you know the the other side, you know the enemy, the opposing counsel. Never has jurisdiction. Explain that, Jeff. You're, well, I'm waiting, you're, to, I'm waiting to hear to hear the shoe drop. No, Be go because, ahead and explain. Yeah, that's what the court has to have. And if you, if you use that expression, you know she's going to use that as a justification for wiping the floor with you. Hey. Because you know, if they did not have 
standing, the court lacks jurisdiction. Yeah, but she didn't want to hear anything about standing. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Maria. If you made an argument about them having jurisdiction, you were making a completely baseless argument. And nonsense. You were uttering nonsense. No. And she didn't want to hear it. Why would I be not, uh, uttering nonsense? Because they can't have jurisdiction. Only the court can have jurisdiction. And they ha- and the enemy has to have standing to give the court jurisdiction. And if you say that they didn't have jurisdiction, you're uttering nonsense. No, yeah. I said the court didn't have jurisdiction. All right. Well, that's, that's not, not what, what you said, said to us, That's though. not what you said. <laughs> but but that's, that's, not, that's what I said to the court. I said the court did not have jurisdiction. Okay. So, well, so underst- understand, please, how necessary it is for you to be accurate in your communication to us. Yeah, it throws us off if if you say one thing meaning something else, because then then we're thinking, okay, well, if you argued that, then there's one of the problems. Well, I I basically said to the court, I said that. Um, the jurisdiction was established for a person is when that person comes into the court. And for a non-person is when they are registered with the the, the Department of State. No, right but, off the bat, you're wrong. It's not. An ordinary person walks into court, they still have to establish that the court has jurisdiction. Right. It isn't just a matter of being there. For, I, I understand that. Well, for that's the, not what you said. But yes, but for the purposes of of my of my presentation, okay, and what I was trying to get to and demonstrate to the court was that the original lender did not have jurisdiction because the original <coughs> lender was not licensed. Well, no, wait a second. You're saying the original lender doesn't have jurisdiction. The, no lender ha- ever has jurisdiction. That's what Jeff's trying to tell you. A court has jurisdiction. Not- a person or an entity never has jurisdiction. Okay. A, a person or a or an entity, whether it be a, a, a uh, natural person or a corporate entity, couldn't have standing or be uh, lacking standing to bring an action. But the only thing that can ever have jurisdiction is the court. And if you were arguing anything other than that exact explanation, you were making an an argument that the court isn't even going to listen to because it's an improper argument. It's got no basis. No, that's not the argument I was saying is that the court did not have jurisdiction over the matter. Yeah, but it's a matter of, uh, you know, how you presented it. And here again, you got us kind of confused with the way you stated to us. And I, I'm just wondering if – did you do the same thing with the judge? I don't well, know. I'm not saying you did, but I, I just don't know. Okay, well, I, I, I've, I guess I'm going to read the transcript and find out. Yeah, because, uh, Maria, this is not to browbeat you. This is also for everybody else out there to to understand. 
you know, if you said it that way, that you said it to us, the court's going to consider that you are uttering nonsense and they don't have the time to listen to it and they're going to be unwilling to hear it. Move on. Well, I don't I don't think that that's necessarily a case. I think she had already made up her mind of what she was going to rule on that. So no I don't know. Well, that certainly justifies your position, doesn't it? No matter what I said or did not say, she was not going to change her mind. Matter of fact, the the um, the attorney argued on my motion to compel Harvey versus I forgot what is the other one, the Harvey case where the the court ruled that um, the the uh, defendant had no rights to any of the assignments or anything because they were not a party to the assignments, and I had a law to go ahead and rebut that. And I kind of was looking for it because I couldn't find it. And when I did finally find it, she had already made her... her, her Wait a minute. No. No. What did you say? I have this argument here that says otherwise? Huh? And I, yes, I did. And she... You know, did, you, did you preface that with one word? What do you mean? There's one word that stops the court in its tracks. What Every is it? time. What is One it? word. Come on, Jeff. Objection. Okay. Yeah. Did you don't say that. No, I did not say objection. Then, 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 then as far as she's concerned, you're uttering nonsense. She didn't want to hear it. Yeah. Well, the thing is that I, 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 I did not find it fast enough to present it. Um, you know, wait, a, wait a minute. Wait a minute. If you had prefaced it with an objection... They, the court would have stopped, and you would have been given time to find it. Right. When something when something happens contradictory to what you're looking at, you have to object, okay? Because if you don't object to something, you have not made a record for appeal for that, and if the court rules adversely, you can't appeal it. Right. Okay. You can't even go in later because the first thing the the appellate court is going to ask, well, did you you don't show in your brief where you objected, and it's not in the transcript where you objected to that decision by the lower court. Therefore, you cannot bring up that as a new issue, in at the appellate level, you had to have objected to it, and been uh, and then had the court. Uh, uh, you know, rule against you on the objection, and then you can make an appeal to the uh, decision. But always keep in mind, an objection is what creates a record for appeal. Right. Okay. I know that. I, you know, I, I know it's, it's hard. I kn- Maria, I'm telling you, I know it's hard. Jeff's been there. I'm telling you, I've been there. There are times I've walked out of the courtroom, and I did object, but I learned the hard way to do that. But I walked out of the courtroom felt feeling like I had been drugged for a couple of miles down a gravel road face down. Yeah, and then run over with a steamroller. Yeah. So I, I understand. My gosh, I, I, there's no way I can tell you how much I know how hard it is. 
Well, the, 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 I guess the fight of all of us, and it's just not only me, and I think it's all of us collectively, is changing the system of the way they look at pro se. Because they immediately right. see you and they say, okay, she doesn't know the law, forget it, we're going to do this and this and that, and they just they enroll you. And they think okay. that they can do well, with it. We have you know, the same. I, we have the same battle, uh, on the same basis and the same grounds that a lot of women have in fighting their way up the hierarchy of corporations. We have to do it bigger, better, faster, meaner than the men do, or in this case, than lawyers do. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I understand. I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning. <laughs> yes, well, you are. And, and, oh, and we you, are, you are learning. Yeah. And well, we. Yeah, we admire you for the tenacity and the fight you're putting up. But as you know, and I hope everybody else knows that's on this call, we don't sit here and if we see a problem with something that somebody's done, we don't just kind of leave it unsaid so that, well, you know, we don't want to hurt their feelings. No, we have to point things out because if we don't, then all the other people listening on the call can potentially not learn from someone else's mistakes, possible mistakes. So we're, if we see a situation where somebody made an error, and I mean, we all make errors. I've, I've made mistakes in my stuff. You know, make no mistake about that. I've made my mistakes. But uh, we, we have to be honest and bring that out. And it's not to beat somebody to a pulp or, you know, Make them, you know, put them down or anything like that. It's it's, it's a we'd we'd be uh, uh, derelict in what we're trying to accomplish if we did that. And if I made you feel that way, I apologize. It wasn't intended. No, not at all, not at all. Listen, I I I really do appreciate you guys, and the only way that I'm going to learn is by getting my my head bashed in by you guys. Well, no, no, we're not bashing your head. It's we're pointing things out as part of the learning process. That's all it is. We're all learning. You know, I learn every day. Geez, I I had my nose stuck in in the Internet and looking for a a specific statute for uh, the uh, statute of limitations on Kansas Consumer Protection Act. And I'll tell you what, I spent a whole bunch of time today chasing that down, trying to find that, because you'd think it would be pretty easy. It's not. <laughs> yeah, and so, I'll tell you something else It's kind of hard, too, is, is standing there and requiring the judge rule on your objection. Because what yeah. they like to do is not respond to it, and if you don't, if you don't demand that they rule on your objection, they'll move right on over top of it as though it was never made. Yeah. Right. Well, I know that um, I I um I, I wanted to go ahead and make sure that w- w- I was under oath, so that I, in the event that I do need to get the appeal moving, that I would, you know, be able to use a transcript and so forth. And the uh-huh. minute I told her that you know I wanted to be put under earth, uh, oath, she she didn't want to. Understood. This is not an evidentiary hearing, so it is not required, so therefore we're not going to do it. Okay. You know, so it's like, okay, but at least, you know, she knows that 
she's not dealing with the stupid per se. And well, but uh, yeah, that that doesn't really matter in the scheme of things. Um, did you have a court reporter there? Of course. Are you okay. kidding me? I'm right. going anywhere without. <laughs> okay. All right. That's that's good. So you've got your trans. You'll be able to get your transcript. I will stop eating for however long I need to in order for me to. Uh, very good, very good. That's that's the kind of dedication to making sure you've got a record that I like to hear. That's good. And I hope everybody takes a lesson from that. Yeah, I hope you understand the absolute importance of having a court reporter with you in court. She understands it. So take a lesson from Marie on, on that particular point. Absolutely. The, the attorney actually call, uh, emailed me like literally an hour and a half before the hearing asking me if I had a court reporter because I think he was very concerned about the outcome of the uh, of the um of the case and I I could have argued certain things I did not use my objection I should have objected um when he was saying things that were not proper and I, I did not, I failed to do that on a lot of other points as well. Um, but uh, it's okay because I, I'm learning, and it's better now than at trial, at least in trial, then I know that I can go ahead and object. Um, well, so, you'll be better prepared because of this experience for trial. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, but... but um, Again, I, I really do appreciate everything you guys tell me. I, I, I do take it to heart, um, not in a bad way, in a good way, so that I can learn from it. And then I go back and I listen to it, and then I listen to it, and, and, and you know, and trying to get the best out of it because I know that it's in the long run it's going to help me. I mean, I'm trying to become an attorney and fight of, of the you know one of the biggest battles in my life in in a, in a six month span. And, you know, people go to law school for four years in a row, and here I'm trying to become an attorney in less than three months. Well, I don't think I'd be one to say I'm here I'm trying to become an attorney. You know, I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to learn what attorneys are supposed to learn. <laughs> I might characterize it that way, but I would never say I'm trying to become an attorney, believe me. I mean, that's just me personally. I, I, anybody who says, well, you must be an attorney, now, quit cussing at me, please. Please. That's not nice. I mean, that's exactly the way that I react to it, but that's my own personal. But, but anyway, I just, like I said, it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's overwhelming, it's challenging. Um, I, I'm very fortunate that I, I do, I'm able to, to articulate my words and, and present myself um, I have to tweak a lot of my presentations and the way I speak and and what I I try to say and and a lot of times I feel like I'm I, I sound very naive but I also understand that it's not that I sound naive it's just that um I don't I I I I don't have the expertise of being in front of a judge or or a court in handling these issues in this matter so I'm kind of like winging it so, well, of course, yeah. I mean, you're like everybody else out here. You're Joe Public, only you're Jane Public. Um, that's never had the 
a situation where you've had to be in court and defend yourself or or do anything. I, I mean, what a surprise, you know. Yeah. And that's the way the system is designed. And, yeah. and again, you know, I I'm fighting for this, but not only for for myself, but I think also to set a precedent because um, you know, it's just it it's just we we do not get the respect that we need just because we're pro safe. You know? Well, keep up the battle. That's the best thing right. I can tell you. Keep it up. Oh no, I'm not giving it up. That's I know you're not. Oh, believe me, I know that. <laughs> I I know better than that that you'd even consider giving it up. But you know, I haven't gone this far, and I haven't. And and it's it, it. I mean, it takes a toll on me a lot of times. Like this weekend, I just said, you know. Uh, my, my brother had a barbecue over his house yesterday, and I said, I'm not going to think about anything else. I'm going to go ahead and go and relax with the family, the jokes and the thing, da-da-da, and relax, and then come home, and then tomorrow I'll start dealing with everything else. Yeah, so, mix in a little salsa while you're at it. Yeah, yeah. and and you did that, and, and I'm sure you had a good time, and it was good for you. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, I think we got some other people in the queue here. If you, if we've covered your stuff for you, thank you so oh, much. I want to get to everybody because we're, uh, you know, getting farther down in time here. So, okay, fine. Thank you guys so much, and um, you're welcome. Talk to you later. Bye. All right. Let's go to Northeast Ohio. You have been unmuted. Yeah, a stupid question. No, no, no. You, if it's a stupid question, that's the one you don't get to ask. <laughs> no, if you if you got a stupid question, we don't want to hear it. Well, I do, because I've never heard one. <laughs> I've made my point, right? Go ahead. Yes. Um, what do you do with an attorney that's trying to collect a debt on a deposition? SMA. What do you mean? They're trying to collect a debt on a deposition. Yes. I was involved in a lawsuit, and um, I went through, you know, the court procedures, went to a deposition, and then, uh, at first I had... I was. Oh, okay. Say, you were deposed. They sued you? Yeah. Okay. They sued you over a debt, and, and they dragged you to a deposition. Just to well, clarify no. things, correct? I got sued under another kind of a claim, and in the lawsuit, there was a deposition. I went to it, and yeah, I was in the process of getting another lawyer, and I walked out of it. Out of the deposition? another lawyer, yes. Well, that's usually not a good idea without, no. compelling, without compelling reasons. Well, I came back to the deposition and I explained to him because in the deposition, I received the phone call from the attorney that I had called before the deposition, which actually was a month before that. And he was reading over the case and he says that he was reviewing the case with his um, two other attorneys in his organization. Okay. So he said his team was going over it, and he wasn't getting back to me. Well, he got back to me at the time of the deposition. Literally at the time of the deposition? Yes. Okay. So I took the call. I said, excuse me, I'm receiving this call, and I need to take this call. So I walked out, and I talked to him. 
And I told him, I said, hey, I'm in the deposition now. He said, well, just go back and tell him that uh, you've been in contact with an attorney and he told you to leave and that you'll set it up for a later date. So I did. Okay. All right. So we had a deposition. We went through the whole court process and that. So this attorney is trying to get me for uh, negligence on that, you know, whatever you want to call it, for leaving it and for his time and what he says expenses in that. Well, is the other, did you retain the other attorney? No, he helped, he helped me find another one. And I went through the court procedure with another attorney that he had helped me uh, find and uh, went through it with that and I went through another deposition with him. But that's the same attorney that I walked out on. Okay. So he was saying, the, uh, the plaintiff's attorney was saying who was coming after me on this. He kept for the cost for the first deposition because you left. Yes. So I says, oh, all well and fine. I says, well, where's the contract that we agreed to sit down on a specific date? No, 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 no. Uh, uh, uh. No, no. no. You don't, you aren't going to get anywhere with that. No? Okay. Nope. I did it anyhow, though. Yeah. If there were a contract, it would have been the subpoena for deposition. Yeah, you're you're at the deposition by order of the court. Yeah, not it's nothing to do with them. They they basically uh, went to the court and said we we want this guy to sit down so we can depose him, and the court said okay, because the court it's the subpoena actually comes from the court. The subpoena for the deposition. So it's the court telling you to be there. Okay. Now, why, my question is, why isn't this attorney helping you deal with that? Oh, that was more or less after the case when a ruling came in, and I think a ruling had, came in on what? Well, on the whole case, and uh, oh, I'm confused. Let me explain this. I'm I'm confused. I know you are, and uh, how can I say it? Let's say that the case was over, except this pending deposition. Okay, case. so it it went to um, you went to the second deposition and stuff, and then the case moved forward to adjudication in some form, right? Yes, we went to trial. Okay, when, did you win or lose? I would say I lost. Okay. Although I question um, what Jeff is famous for, um, void judgments. <clears throat> me. Well, no. I mean, if you argued it in court and you lost, that's, that's I argued referred it, to yeah. as... <clears throat> it was never... The verdict never came down in the court at that particular time. It was ruled on later. Did you have a jury, or, or was it a bench trial? Bench trial. Bench trial. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. the court doesn't necessarily always have to rule right there. But you can go and have your trial, and they can listen to all the testimony, and, and then your ruling can come out sometime after that. 
which I'm assuming is what happened with your situation. Correct. Okay. How much later? Like a month? I'm sorry, Doc. What was that? How much, how much later after the trial did the, the ruling actually, was it the ruling issued by the court? Was it like a month, and a half. six weeks? Okay, all right. Not unusual. Okay, so then the uh, attorney from the other side comes around and says, I, I want the money because you walked out of the deposition. Yes, yeah. exactly. And my attorney, you know, at that point in time, before that, I just told my attorney, I says, uh, they ruled that I didn't do anything wrong and that there was no malicious intent. And uh, You mean in, in leaving the... Uh, no, no. The, the in, deposition. Uh, in the whole case. It was over a water issue and it was over a case where my neighbor is, has an easement on my property and he was seeding the water, but he kept... He was... He, yeah, but I, it, it, that doesn't matter in the scheme of what we're talking about. It's it's a matter of right. uh, the the part about the deposition. They're wanting money to uh, pay for the first deposition because they weren't able to complete it there because you walked out. Right. All right. It's a matter of you know your argument has to be uh, why you left. But again, why uh, why is your attorney not assisting you with that? Oh, I think because to keep my retain my attorney, I can't afford him anymore. Oh, okay. So, all right. It's gotten to the point where the fees were so high. Okay, yeah, I I I understand. So, I mean, you you spent as much money as you could on uh, an attorney to uh, deal with the situation. Right. So you don't have somebody. Well, um, I think. Based on the uh, the knowledge that we've got here from your conversation, I think if I was in your position, I, about the only argument I could uh, see making back to the uh, the court on this is that uh, you left on uh, the advice of counsel, uh, exactly. who, yeah, who had who had just contacted you and had, and uh, uh, advised you to leave to and and be able to uh uh reschedule when you could be represented and i'm assuming that the the, the attorney represent was there and represented you in the second deposition is that correct correct okay well i think that's the kind of stuff you, you point out that's what I, I that's did, what i would do i did do that with the attorney to say you know what makes you think your fees are within line of this, you know, under the contract? I said, you know, a variety of things. And I says, since I was informed by an attorney and seeking legal advice by the attorney of telling me to leave at that point and had tried to make arrangements with him earlier, and he only got to me. Unfortunately, at that time, the deposition was in process. Right, right. Those were the circumstances. So yes. you la- you uh, terminated the deposition there on the advice of counsel. Exactly. Right. right. Okay. And, and making making the argument to to the other side is not going to is not going to get you anywhere if they filed a petition in the court for the fees. 
Right. You're going to have you to, to make argue it to, court. It to a court. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't argue it with the other side. You you argue it with the court. Okay. Because trying to talk to uh, you know those guys like that is useless. That's not the way you do it. They they are trying to collect the fees through the court. Am I correct or not? Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, now that, he I, is trying to collect it through the court. Right. And I sent him a certified mail, but I haven't heard from him since what then. Do you, you sent him a certified mail what? I sent him a certified mail requesting information on him, uh, his fees, and that is, you know, like, I took it as that's a not, That's not how I you know. deal with it. And then the other thing I says that I was I had seeked legal advice and my legal advice had told me to leave and I yeah. took him that's, by that's, his word. That's 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 spitting into the wind. It does yeah. you no good? Well, yeah. you the first one, thing huh? yeah the first thing you need to understand is they filed a uh, I'm assuming a motion with the court for fees for you leaving the deposition, right? I they want they want yeah. they want yeah. x number of dollars. As yes. a result of that, correct? Yeah. Okay. You have to argue that motion to the court. You don't. You don't go and talk to the guy on the other side and say, "Well, I demand this of you, and I demand that of you." Uh. Uh-uh. You argue it all against him in the court through an opposition to his motion. Okay, but I never got his motion. I got something from the court saying that he he filed one with me, but he never did. Right. You got notice from the court that he did, did that he did, and even if he didn't, you still have to answer it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You, okay. you can't use that as an excuse to do nothing. Right. No, I'm not. How many days do I have on that? Twenty-one days, Mike. You got to look at your rules uh, of civil procedure for the court. You're in a state court, right? Yeah. You got to look up your rules of civil procedure for your state on how long you have to respond to a motion. And a a lot of times you're going to find that that's 14 days. But don't count that it's 14 days because I don't know what the rules are. But you need to look up the rules of civil procedure uh, uh, about response to a motion. You know, like, you know, Nevada rules of civil procedure uh, response to a motion. Or when, when, uh, how much time do I have to respond to a motion in, you know, Ohio, Texas, wherever? Just ask a question. You find your, your state rules. That will tell you how long you've got. And if you need more time, you just file a motion for enlargement of time to file an opposition to uh, their motion. I got a funny feeling that he put the motion in already beforehand and already got a, a, a verdict on it. I was he he was supposed to send me the motion. Isn't Anything that, that he files with the court is required to send you a copy of it. Just like anything oh. you file with the court, you're required to send them a copy with it, a copy of it, and it has to have a certificate of service with it. Hmm. All so, right, I'm going to have to go down and see if he already did this because I haven't had. Any well, if the court said he, he did, you know that he did. Well, what exactly? What what exactly did you get from the court specifically? 
What did I got a court? I got something from the court that's uh, saying that um, my failure to appear on his motion and reply to it is that they gave him a, a verdict. They, award, they awarded him fees. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right, so you're going to have to go back and, and uh, um, motion that they vacate that. Yeah. That you never received notice. You never received notice, and were unable. Uh, you were denied due process and, and uh, unable to defend yourself before the court. Okay. That's a dirty. That's a dirty trick by the lawyer. Right. Yep. Go look. Okay. Go look. Go look at the court record and see if the motion that they filed for those costs, if there was a certificate of service in there uh, where it states that, you know, you were uh, sent a, a a true and correct copy of that motion on what date and so on and so forth. Okay. But you didn't get it, so you weren't, you weren't aware of it. Right. Okay. So if you're not aware, you can't defend yourself, right? That's right. Correct. Okay. All right. So they, they, it's already, they've got a a judgment for those costs against you, but it was, it's bogus because of what they did, the way they did it. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's not uncommon. Lawyers are crooks. They'll do that stuff. Right. And, and, you know, he puts it in and figures, well, I just won't send him the copy. He won't know about it. I'll, I'll get the judgment against him. And, you know, I don't have to put up with any of his crap. But you have to go back and, and do the, uh, you know, first of all, see what happened for sure. Don't speculate. Right. And then uh, uh, you'd have to do a motion to vacate uh, the uh, void judgment because you were denied due process because you were never served a copy and had no knowledge that it had been filed with the court and therefore uh, had no ability, uh, did not have the opportunity to uh, argue and uh, defend yourself before the court. Right. Am I better off in state courts than federal court? On this issue, you have to stay there. Yeah, on this issue, you have to stay there. This isn't anything you can take to federal court. There's no federal issue. And in any, if you're going to move it to a state or a federal court, it has to be done within so many days of being served with it. Well, I wasn't going to move the actual case here. I was going to turn around and then sue the plaintiff in federal court for dereliction of uh, responsibility on an easement of uh, his negligence. Show me the, show me the statute that, where there's a private right of action that you can do that. A statute? No, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to uh, I'm going to I'm not going to use a statute. I'm going to use it on his negligence of what the contract said on his deed. He was supposed to maintain That's contract and well, develop that's be state. You have okay. to uh, federal court have no jurisdiction. Yeah, that's, that's contract law. That's gonna that has to be brought in the state court. That can't be brought in federal. Yeah. Okay, because that's what I understand it to be strictly a contract. He failed to perform his duties on the contract. Yeah, but you know, just so you know, uh, uh, that it, basically uh, you'd be uh, going after him for uh, breach of contract. Right. Isn't that what he sued you on? 
No. Nope. What do you sue you on? He sued me on, um, how could I say? He said that I was in his easement and shutting off his water. Oh, okay. And he never proved it. What it ended up was he had broken pipes and roots and uh, system, and he wasn't taking care of it. And he kept complaining to me, so he would shut off my water. It was in a spring. And uh, he ended up having to dig it up, and it proved that he, he had a expert witness. And the witness says, yeah, there was roots in it and there were broken pipes. And he mm-hmm. neglected to repair it for 13 years and was causing me an aggravation. Okay. That's why they said well, there was no the malice court, on my part. Why did the court rule in his favor instead of yours then? Did you not properly argue your defense? I felt that it was properly argued because the material, the witness who dug it up and that actually said it. But they tried to say that I was in his easement, but they never proved that I was in his easement because he doesn't have a descriptive easement to saying where it was. So I thought it was, you know, a bunch of crap behind, you know, chambers. And that's yeah. why I wanted to turn around and sue him. Yeah. Well, you you got to have you got to know what you're doing to bring a tort claim against somebody and know all this stuff. And it sounds to me like you're a little short on knowledge on procedures and all that kind of stuff to be able to move something like that forward. Yeah. You, you need I, to understand I, all the the uh, rules of procedure so that you follow them. Because if you don't, you're not going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's uh, uh, most pro se's lose when they do things in court because they don't follow the rules. They don't know the procedures. They you know, they just don't study them and understand them. It's I mean it's it's unfortunate, but it's it's the truth. What's the time frame? Do you think that you can learn that? It's different for every individual. Everybody learns at a different rate. Yeah. Okay. You know, there's no way to answer that question. Answer. I mean, there's some people that are very quick studies on things. They've got more time to do it. Um, you know, I mean, a lot, there's so many variables in it, but uh, um, there's no way I, I could even say, oh, well, you know, you ought to be able to do that in 30 days or 60 days or 90 days. or I have no idea because, you know, I, I don't know how much time you got. I don't know how fast you learn. I don't know. You know, some people have a... Uh, hard time learning certain things, and other other people uh, pick things up very quickly. And you know, everybody's yeah. different. We're all individuals. Well, I did learn a lot from the case, and I understand it. And I knew that, you know, as far as the lawyers were concerned, and as far as being the defendant, I knew in that sense. I told my wife, I said, "We're not going to win it. They're going to go on him because defendants mainly always lose." Okay, well, oh, no, no, not okay. necessarily. Dave, we got 15 minutes and three yeah. more callers. Yeah, I was just okay. going to say. Gonna All right, thanks, guys. Caller here. You bet. Thank you. Bye. All right, we're going to go up to New York. Hello, New York. Hello, New York. Okay. Uh, this question is about um, somebody, I think, in foreclosure. Um, somebody what? Somebody what? Can you, can somebody you get off your speakerphone? We're getting an echo. All right. Somebody in foreclosure. Okay, foreclosure, all right. Yeah, the, uh, the service is planning to foreclose, I think, October the 16th. The, um, 
the start of proceedings. So is, is there any way she could start? I don't know. Um, like they need to get into the website and start studying uh, the uh, material there. Mm-hmm. There's all the stuff in there about uh, what people should do. Right. I mean, we don't have any facts on on what the situation is, what the case is. There's there's no way that we could give you a blanket right. answer for that. Right. And he, you like need that. to get in there. That person needs to get in there and study uh, so that he understands what to do, given the facts that he's got. Okay. So, but is there uh, a letter you can send to, like, store them or... No, like I said, I I have no idea what the what his situation is, what the facts are. If he'll go in there and start studying the material that Jesse Hello. has put together, then mm-hmm. you know he talks about well, you know, if you're at this stage, you know, you can do this and this, and if you're at this stage, you can do that and that, and so on and so forth. So okay. you know, you're, you're just a blanket statement like that. There's just no way that we could even begin to come up with an answer for something like that. But right. you know, okay. it, it's. It isn't something that you can go and look at something and start telling him uh, or her. If somebody else has got the problem, they need to study and learn. You know, maybe you work with them on it, right. but for you to do things and just tell them, no, that that won't work. That's a right. recipe for absolute yeah, failure. because the person is not willing to study. But they well, if they're not willing to study, then they don't want to save their house very bad. <laughs> okay. That's just the bottom line of it. I look enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all righty. Dave, does yes. does uh, does you confirm when you hit star eight that you're in view? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it does okay. Jan has been trying to get in the queue, and she hits star eight. She doesn't get a confirmation. She only gets it if she hits star six and mutes herself. It says raise hand. Huh? People say raise hand. The the phone line will say instead of like you are muted, it'll say right hand or something. Is, raise that, hand. is that what you're saying, Jeff? Raise hand. Yeah, she says oh, raise hand. She says no, it doesn't. She keeps hitting star eight. She doesn't know if she's in. Oh, she says, tell him I'm left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not hitting star eight at the same time. I hope it's star and then eight. Try it again, Janda. She's been trying for a while. <laughs> I'm looking right, it could be, it could be that her tone pad is off. Well, it, do you see a Florida number? Uh, I'm looking here. I'm I see one. Southeast Florida. That's probably... No, no, that's probably... Um, Janda, what number does your your phone number start with that you're using? No, we don't. We don't, it, we don't it, see it doesn't. Sh- it doesn't show the numbers, Terry. Oh, uh, talk to you. Never mind, Janda. Yeah. No, actually, uh, we got Southeast Florida is the only one on there, and I think that's Maria. I don't know. Is, is she's even showing up on here? Are you sure Janda's on the right call? <laughs> she's hearing us. She's, she's uh, you know. Okay, if she had hit star six, mute herself. Janda, unmute yourself. If you're muted, unmute yourself. Hit star six, and if it says you are muted, then hit star six again, and it'll unmute you. And and just talk to us and say something. 
Well, I heard I heard something there. Yeah, it says I'm unmuted. Okay, I'm hearing you now. You're <laughs> you're you're guest nineteen. Okay, okay. Yeah, guest um, nineteen had his hand yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Was that the left hand or the right hand? Yes. I I yes. don't know. Yes. <laughs> it was. Yeah, 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 it was. Okay, now I'll listen, Jana, I'll listen yeah. quietly so you can finish with the other caller Dan. Well well no, no, what what I want you to do is I want you now to just hit the star button and then the eight button. I want to see if it puts you in the queue. Okay. Yep. Yep. It sure did. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay. Now I'm going to mute you and okay. unmute you to get you out, and I'm going to take your question, and we're go- after that we're going to go to our last caller. Uh, okay. And come on. Oh, jeez. There we go. All right. Go ahead. Okay, great. Is this the Bloomberg News call? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, great. Listen, I... I Give me your guys. Thank you. Thank you guys for Actually, we're combined with Reuters tonight. <laughs> Give me your guns. Okay. Um, the case with uh, Portfolio, they sued my mom for a small credit card debt. Okay. And I debt validated um, GE Capital. I did not debt validate portfolio. I don't think I did. I'm still looking in my records, but I don't think I debt validated portfolio. Well, portfolio is the one that tried to collect it, isn't it? Right. You always valid. You always send a demand for validation to who's trying to collect. Right. Well, I just failed to do that. Okay. Um, so and and um, I'm not going to make excuses. I just didn't do it. Okay. Um, so what I'm doing now is I'm preparing. We are in the state court. We have um, a hearing on a motion for summary judgment filed by the um, plaintiff, plaintiff on the seventh of October. So we have until the second of October to get in an opposition for that motion for summary judgment. There's been no discovery propounded during the case. Um, there was a motion to dismiss filed um, using some of Jeff's arguments with respect to. Um, the validity of the affidavit, and they survived the motion to dismiss, obviously. So I'm preparing now an FDCPA case, and what I'd like to um, what I'd like to know primarily tonight is, do I need to name since I didn't debt validate portfolio, do I need to name all of the um, the debt collectors that we've received um, collection notices from? After. Well, I take I take it there's been a chain of companies that have tried to collect it. Um, yeah, I believe so. Yes, Genpac, GE Capital, and uh, Amazon, and Portfolio. Now, well, when I no, get no, 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 wait a minute. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm Amazon isn't a debt collector. Okay. I'm saying debt collectors. Okay. Yes, um, I believe two debt collectors, Genpac. Did you send after. validation letters to them? No, only to GE Okay, Capital. then then you you have a problem because you didn't send validation letters. Right. You can't take any action against them because you didn't send a demand for validation, give them a chance to prove up or go away. Have they violated any of the other guidelines? 
Um, I believe so. Um, Terry, what you can't deal um, with beliefs. You got to know. Well, I think they violated um, trying to collect a debt that they know they have no right to collect. No, no, no. But uh, a lot of people disagree with me on that. Well, yeah. See, you're you're kind of just making a statement. You you have to deal with the facts, not just what you think. You have mm-hmm. to look at the facts of what's been happening. You know, you're you're seeing here the the problem that's created when you don't send validation letters immediately. Yeah. You know, and you've heard us talk about that. That is a cardinal rule. And and you 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 don't ever. Uh, the only people you send a validation letter to is somebody that's trying to collect from you. Okay, if you have a debt collector trying to collect something, ABC Collections trying to collect something for Chase, you don't send a validation letter to Chase. Right. You send a validation letter to ABC, who is the one that's actually trying to collect it. Right. Well, when I sent the debt validation letter to Amazon, they were the ones still trying to collect at that time because it was early on. Okay. Now, you're saying you, you, you've said Amazon twice. Is this Amazon.com? It's Amazon.com, and it was a store card with Amazon.com. They're original creditor. You can't, de- you can't yeah, do they're, that. Yeah, they're an original creditor. They're not a collector. Okay. How did GE come into it? Are they the issuers of the card? Yes. Yeah. That's They're an original creditor also. Okay, I want to uh, give you a little bit of background on this um, particular thing. Janda had turned this over to a particular attorney, and you both know who that is, and he kept telling her he had it handled, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. Come to find out nothing was done, and now she's up against a wall. Okay. Well, that's a lawsuit against the attorney. No, right. there was it was verbal. Um, there was no contract retainer, no contract. He was he said he was doing it as a favor. Uh huh. Right. Yeah, some favor. Yeah. 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 Right. You're going to have to go through the list of frequently violated FDCPA guidelines and see what you have facts to support. A violation. Right. Now, that's, um, that's the only recourse I can see you having right now is insofar as filing an FDCPA complaint. Okay. There, and there do the is same a, thing with the floor. Is, is, your, is your mom in Florida? Yes, there is an FDCPA yeah. violation. Okay. And there it's are? the one with um, something uh, notifications preceding to. I can't. I don't have the. I don't have it right up in front okay. of me, Jeff. But I, uh, uh, I do I, know there's that. Let me put that in a nutshell. Portfolio did not communicate with them, send a dunning letter, a notice that they had purchased it, or anything else. Their first communication was to sue. Legal action. They huh? can take the legal action. It is a legal action. They can take. What is it? Do you use false and deceptive means, David? I'm I'm trying to figure out exactly where you'd go to to deal with that. There there has to be something um, where they're required to uh, make a demand, and when you fail to, you know, pay, then they can sue. They can't right. just sue you 
without there making is, a demand first. I can't remember what section it is, Dave. I know there is. They can't just... Oh, have they sent you a Dunning letter yet? No, that's what we're talking no. about. No, okay. Yeah. Then they have failed to send her a Dunning letter within five, five days of the initial communications. Team 92G. That's I one we, that you I can go. That's, that's, that's one where you can go. Another another you can go is you can allege uh, the amount and character of the debt, E2. And then she can still go to uh, failure to validate because she was denied that her 30-day uh, opportunity to dispute. That's 1692GB. Yeah. No. Uh, the failure to no, the five-day notice. That it's not, it's not GB. It's not GB because right. GB is where they uh, they continue to collect after not valid after a demand for validation is made. Right. Um, but anyway, you've you've got several of those FDCPA violations there. Now you say this was a small amount of money. How much money was it? Yes, yeah, um, twenty four hundred, I believe. Okay, and and five or six hundred. Yeah, five or six hundred of that is interest. It would. You you are partially okay. correct, Terry. It is under G, but it's not B. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. But that's failure to notify. Failure to provide a validation notice. Right. Okay. They, you know, failure to, um, to send a Dunning letter within five days of initial contact. There was no initial contact. Yeah, that's well, the point. Served. Oh, yeah, okay. Excuse yeah. me. All right. The, the whole thing is here, you've got a, 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 a hurry-up situation. You need to get a federal suit filed and hit them with that right away, and then you uh, you can use that as a bargaining chip to get them to uh, back off their other stuff and get rid of it. Right. Now, right. what I told her, and let's see what you guys think, you know, she is in a hurry. She's not going to have the time to be her usual very careful self. Uh, in putting this complaint together, but she does have 120 days to get them served. She can send a copy of the complaint to the attorney and wait and see what their response is before they're served, and that gives her time to amend it before service if she needs I, it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go through all of that. It, mm-hmm. this, it's an incredibly simple lawsuit to write. Right and get it out there and serve it. Stick it right in their nose. If she could Pronto. only type it five words a minute, shouldn't take her more than two hours. Yeah, that's, that's an incredibly simple Yeah, Janda. And your air conditioner at the same time. Janda, yeah. please, sweetie, I know it's as hard for you as it is for me because we're very similar in our styles. But don't. Be overly descriptive. Make it very, very simple. Just make plain statements. They did this, this, and this, and in well, they failed. Yeah, they failed to do this. They failed to do this. They failed to do this. You know, right? Count one, count two, count three, and very, very simply, because you know that that initial complaint is not your last shot at it. Right. You are in a hurry. You simply want to make it very, very clear, very, very simple. 
um, and straightforward. You should be able to do that in no more than three to four pages. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, that uh, that's a three or four page lawsuit. No more. Absolutely. Right. Good grief. Yeah, that's after you edit my 26 pages, Terry. No, 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 no. No, no. no I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Dave. Yeah, kidding. okay. But let me let me make the, my points here. Okay. You're on a you're on a short leash time dealing with a summary judgment in in the state case, mm-hmm. which means you have to move PDQ because you want to put that right in their face real quick so that they go, oh crap, she filed a federal lawsuit against us. What mm-hmm. what are we going to do now? Geez, this isn't worth it over this twenty four hundred dollar deal here because we're only making uh, two hundred and eighty dollars on this. And now, mm-hmm. now we're getting sued, along with portfolio, because you're going to sue the lawyer too. Right. The the uh, portfolio and their their you know, the lawyer and the law firm. Okay. Okay. You so, talking about? So now listen to me. Listen to me. Okay. The whole idea is it's a deterrent. It's a lever to get them to drop the suit. Their suit. Right. I I understand that. I understand. Okay, that. but the, you've got to do it pronto. Okay. That's why you know you you got to get it written, you got to get it filed, and you got to get it served. And you should be able to get all that done and have them served and all done in no more than ten or twelve days. Oh no, I intend to have it done and, and into the court by Wednesday. Right. Yeah. No, I'm saying and have them served. Oh, okay, have them served. I'm saying the whole process. Have okay. it filed and have them served within 10 or 12 days. Okay. Because you want that to hit them like, oh, crap, this woman filed a federal lawsuit against us. Well, what are we mm-hmm. going to do now? Well, I'll tell you what. Let's just do this. If you'll drop the federal lawsuit, um, we'll drop our lawsuit in state court. Okay, well, you drop the lawsuit in state court uh, with the agreement that uh, that that goes nowhere and it's not sold to anybody else it becomes dead mm-hmm. and i'll i'll drop the federal lawsuit so what does it cost you to get rid of a twenty four hundred dollar lawsuit cost you a four hundred dollar filing fee right mm-hmm. right okay now terry what are there what, i i saw blew up my notes what um case were what case did you give me the heinz case the other day and I found an FDCPA violation based on that, I, I believe, and I can't remember now what the violation was. What case? I don't know. What it's Heinz, Heinz, Heinz? Heinz versus Jenkins is just about, uh, the, well, that, that's just about lawyers was, being debt collectors. Yeah, that wasn't me. I didn't say anything about that. Okay. That's just uh, that. Uh, that's just about de- uh, lawyers that collect debts being uh, uh debt collectors, and you can sue them. Right. Okay, well, are in-house portfolio attorneys debt collectors? Yeah, in-house doesn't make any difference. Okay, so that, They're not so a creditor. That, so those attorneys should be named in the federal lawsuit as well. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. That's, that's the thing I was struggling with, Dave. One of the things I was struggling with is to know who, who to put into the, into the FDCPA um, complaint. So it well, be, they, it's not going to be Amazon and GE Capital and Jimpack. It's no, no, they're, origi- they're original creditors, GE Capital and Amazon stuff. 
Mm-hmm. You're going after who, the portfolio that's trying to collect it. You're going to go after them. You're going to go after the law firm, and you're going to go after the individual lawyers that uh, uh, touch the tar baby. Well, that's going to be about eight defendants then. Why, why is it eight? Well, let's see. In the motion for summary judgment, there are the signatures of six attorneys. There's the attorney that I dealt with at the mediation conference and that I've been conferring with by email here locally, and the law firm. So that's six, seven, eight, nine, including portfolio. Well, do you think do you think they're going to want to get rid of a twenty-four hundred dollar lawsuit when they when uh, they get slapped with a federal complaint going after all of them? And that and well, I'm hopeful they'll give me five or six thousand dollars on top of that. Yeah. Yeah, you might get some cash out of that. Right. Yeah. FDCPA is only a thousand dollars, but that's per defendant. Per defendant. That's nine grand. They got it. They got a deal with right off the top of the bat. Right. And FDCPA. Yeah, and then you got yeah. the FCCPA. Now, one thing that you need to be careful of here. You said this is your mother's situation. Right. Now, unless I. And mistaken, your mother is not competent to deal with this stuff, correct? That's correct, and I have to retain counsel. I know that. Okay. She's working yeah. on and, that. Yeah, and I and I will. I do have somebody in the pipeline to to take care of it. Um, okay. The attorney that I'm talking with and working with doesn't want to file the FDCPA lawsuit on my mom's behalf, but she said I could certainly do it. No problem. She doesn't want to do it. Well, she doesn't she, truly understand it. Right, she doesn't clearly understand. She, I don't think him, that's a good attorney to be dealing with then. That's not an attorney for you to be working with. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh-uh. You, you don't, you you don't want to get an attorney fixed. involved that doesn't that doesn't understand the stuff. That, that's a huge mistake. No. That'd be like well, going back and, and uh, uh, talking to the, the one that screwed you over and saying, well, hey, are, are you sure you don't want to try and pick this up now? Uh-uh. I hear you, I hear you. That's like okay. jumping from the frying pan into the fire. Don't do that. Yeah. Keep shopping. So if, yeah. if I if I can't if I can't find an attorney that's willing to file an FDCPA lawsuit against portfolio and all these attorneys as a strategic move with with valid um, allegations to begin with, then I've got the wrong one. I need to go find another one. Got it. Yeah. Um, now you can file the lawsuit. You know, your mother it would be the one that has to sign it to be filed in her name. Right, yeah. I but then I you, you understand it, I what it, you know, what it has to happen going forward. Absolutely, yeah. She's, she has to have counsel um, go in the state case as long as it's alive. Unless, I'm hopeful that this is going to kill it and I expect that it will. Um, but we still have to be prepared to move forward as though this isn't going to kill it. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. In the state case and in the federal case. I mean, she can't. She's not competent to prosecute the federal case. If if they start saying, "Okay, well, you get served," all right. Well, now we want to do the twenty six F conference. You can't sit in and do the twenty six F conference. No, I realize. Yeah, I realize. Okay, that. all right. I yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, I'm pre- yeah. I'm prepared. Um, I'm pre- I, what I learned in my first case day is no matter what you think or you hope or you expect, you prepare to go all the way. From the very it, beginning. That's right. What, what are you using to create a shopping list for attorneys? Um, I've, I've just been using Google so far. May I make a suggestion to you? Sure. 
you go up on Pacer and you pull down cases for this particular uh for your for your district. For your district and yeah. you pull down FDCPA. FTCPA type cases, uh, I think it's section, was it 408 or 480? 470, I think. 470, I believe. Right. And the the name of this particular collector, and you get names for attorneys who represented the other side. You mean names of of attorneys that You look on PACER. You you do a, a search for, if it's Joe Blow's, is the attorney representing portfolio, mm-hmm. then you go do a search uh, under 470. No, 480. Uh, or 480, whatever it is, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. 480, uh, cons- consumer debt or whatever, and uh, you search under that lawyer's name, okay? And you find cases. Then you go and you look in those, uh, you go and look in the cases, and you find out who the attorney is on the other side of it. That's used to dealing with them. Find find right. somebody that wants something. That can give you some ideas. Well, there's there's another way. Jeff, that, that hold you, on a second. Stick on the Pacer thing for a minute. i I got to get something in here. When you go in Pacer and you're looking at a case so you can find out who the attorney was on the other side, when you get to the first page where you normally would click on history and documents so you could look at the mm-hmm. docket, instead you click on the choice that says attorneys and that'll that'll just charge you one ten cents and it'll give you the names of the attorneys for both sides okay there you go and, 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 you, want, wanted... and you want the attorneys who are representing the plaintiff in this particular case right and you should be able to you know if you look it up by uh using the name of the debt collector as the party then and then uh, and you want and you click on the open cases. That way, you get the cases that are current. And you only want to look at the ones that say they're a defendant, DFT, beside their their name. The attorney. No, when you look up portfolio in Pacer in your district, okay, then all the cases involving portfolio recovery or whatever they're calling themselves are going to come up. And in that list. Beside each, uh, their name is either DFT, meaning they were a defendant, or uh, PLT, I think it is. Either plaintiff. plaintiff. You want to look at the ones where they were a defendant. And then look at the attorney that's handling the opposite side. That's who you're looking for to try and find an attorney. And you should be able to to dealing with them. You should be able to glean five or six names out of there. Yeah. If not more. That's better okay. than going potluck on Google. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. So, so you know, you're dealing with somebody that, if if they're not well versed, at least got some experience. Yep. Right. Okay. We want to finish things up here, guys. We're running okay. way over two hours tonight. Okay. Okay. We get you some good guidance on this. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank All you. right. You're very welcome. I, th- I think Mississippi dropped off, David. Yeah, I was going to say Mississippi disappeared. Yeah, I think off, that was so. KB. Yeah, I I don't know. But anyway, I want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. Uh, it's uh, another Dallas Debt discussion in the books. 
And tomorrow night there's an open call on Blog Talk Radio forward slash W-L-I-Y-D. That starts at 8 o'clock Eastern Time. And, of course, Wednesday night, if you're not on Terry's mailing list, send an email to queensongbird at gmail.com. Simply say, please put me on the list. And uh, she'll uh, she'll go ahead and do that. And, uh, of course, to get to Jesse's website, all you have to do is open a browser and type in knock out collectors and that's spelled t o r s dot net don't do a search on it just open the browser and uh, type in knockoutcollectors.net and that'll take you right to Jesse's site put in your name and your email address that's an opt in for spam you'll get an email back it'll have a link in it click on that you'll get a second email and that will have some information in it plus a link to get you into the free part of the website and uh, the web, uh, to be a full member and have access to everything, it's $99 for the first month and $49 a month after that for as long as you want to be a member. And it's got a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's the best thing. You can use it. You can uh, uh, use it absolutely risk-free for two months. Study to your heart's content. And uh, there's more information there than you could ever imagine. You don't know how much is there until you get in there and look. But believe me, there's a ton of it. So, again, thanks to everybody. Thanks, Jeff, John, Terry, for uh, jumping in and uh, helping in the call tonight. I hope everybody has a great evening. And for those of you that join us on Blog Talk Radio tomorrow night, I'll talk to you then. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night.